This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Abby Johnson was the youngest director of a Planned Parenthood clinic. During her eight years with the organization, she oversaw 22,000 abortions. She even had two herself. But one day, she actually assisted in an abortion. What she saw shook her to the core. Since then, she's dedicated herself to preserving the lives of the unborn. She wrote a book titled Unplanned, detailing her journey from the abortion industry to working to preserve life. A movie by the same name was just released about her story. Despite many obstacles filmmakers encountered, ranging from an R rating to an advertising boycott, the movie succeeded beyond the most optimistic hopes of those involved. I speak with unplanned producer Joe Knopp about this on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp says he plans to sign a bill protecting unborn babies from abortion. After his legal team vets the legislation, Kemp says he plans to sign the measure banning abortions when an unborn baby's heartbeat begins. This despite a threat by members of the Hollywood elite to boycott the state if he does. Kemp, a pro-life Republican, responded to the criticisms by saying that he will sign the law as he promised voters and not be swayed by Hollywood. Earlier, pro-abortion actress Elisa Milano delivered a letter to Kemp's office signed by dozens of prominent Hollywood actors that described the bill as dangerous and evil because it protects unborn babies from abortion once their heartbeats are detectable. After receiving a letter from First Liberty Institute, officials from the government-owned Kalaksa Minnesota Memorial Health Center verbally apologized to First Liberty Institute clients Wilma Wills and Joan Wilson for actions taken by an employee of the center. Officials also told the clients that they would speak to their employees about an incident that occurred during last Christmas season. Just before Christmas, during a visit by pupils from the organization's Child Development Center and Preschool, First Liberty clients Wells and Wilson were interrupted and prevented from explaining Linus's historical account of the Christmas story from A Charlie Brown Christmas to the Children. Christina Arriaga and Tony Perkins, commissioners on the United States Commission for International Religious Freedom, yesterday announced their adoption of American pastor David Lynn as part of the Religious Prisoners of Conscious Project. In 2006, Chinese authorities in Beijing detained Pastor Lin under unclear circumstances. In 2009, he was accused of contract fraud, a charge he denies, and was sentenced to life imprisonment. Until recently, Pastor Lin ministered to his fellow prisoners and was translating the Bible into Chinese. The commission is concerned about recent reports of Pastor Lin's declining health and potential threats to his safety in prison. 
An estimated 500 protesters gathered at the steps of California's capital in Sacramento on March the 28th, protesting explicit sex education, including gender fluidity lessons that are being taught in the state's elementary schools. The protest was organized by the Informed Parents of California, which was established following the enactment of the so-called California Healthy Youth Act in January of 2016. That legislation was initially called the California Comprehensive Sexual Health and HIV AIDS Prevention Education Act and was designed to provide, in its wording, comprehensive sexual health education and HIV prevention education to California kids in grades 7 through 12. World Liquor News Digest will be back right after these messages. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. Hi, I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at Chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. Hi, I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark from Ascension Lutheran in St. Louis. And I am Pastor Jolly John Lekumski from St. Paul's in New Athens and Trinity in Darmstadt, and we welcome you to listen to Wrestling with the Basics. Matt, 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 let go of me, man. No, no, it's not real wrestling. We're just talking about Bible issues. No. Oh, 9.05 Saturday mornings, 8.50 a.m. KFUO. Este é Notícias Luteranas pelo Mundo. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. My guest today is Mr. Joe Knopp, who's a producer for the new movie Unplanned, which has had a remarkable story behind it, that of Abby Johnson, who was a director for Planned Parenthood and has now become one of the leading lights in the pro-life movement. Mr. Knopp, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Indeed. This is a, a wonderful and informative thing that's happening here. Could you tell me a bit about yourself and a little bit more about the movie? Sure, that'd be uh, great. So I grew up in Philadelphia, kind of a rough uh, family background, uh, some uh, uh, abuse and addiction to the point where uh, our father was uh, uh, left our family when I was five and lived with our mom for a couple of years on the really on the streets of Philadelphia until we were placed in an orphanage. I was seven years old when I ended up staying there until I graduated from high school. So that was most of my childhood. Couldn't afford college, so joined the Air Force after high school and spent six years active duty. Got a finance degree while I was active duty and spent a lot of my uh, career in the finance world. But a great friend of mine and mentor to me growing up, a guy named Daryl LaFever, my producing partner, he had the great desire to be part of Hollywood. So after, yeah, when he was in his early 20s, he's got the great traditional Hollywood story of taking his wife and kid out there to 
not really knowing many people, and worked its way up mostly through Warner Brothers to become a very successful uh, uh, line producer with them. God placed it on his heart to really tell inspirational, faith-based stories about the quality of Warner Brothers. So I was living in Dayton, Ohio, and uh, I was one of the only finance people that Daryl knew, so he called me, and then I started uh, traveling to L.A. to try to figure out a way to help Daryl tell these stories. It wasn't until about five years ago we worked on a project called Woodlawn Together, and then after that we did I Can Only Imagine, and then now we're uh, just released Unplanned. And Unplanned is a story that our team had the rights to for uh, about five, six years, but we really felt like it wasn't the right time until about two years ago, God started opening doors to have this story told. And what we didn't know was when we set our release date to be March of this year, that all the headlines of the beginning of this year would be leading up to the release. And all these headlines were talking about the some of the most progressive abortion laws that this country has ever uh, faced. So, you know, the story of, of Unplanned is the, the true life story of Abby Johnson. And Abby grew up in a Christian home, went to college in Texas A&M. In her junior year, she was kind of walking around at a volunteer expo. And while she was there, uh, the lady behind the Planned Parenthood table kind of reached out and said, hey, do you know what we do? and really convinced Abby that it was an opportunity to help girls in need. So Abby volunteered there. Her heart just grew, uh, this incredible empathy for these young girls who were showing up at the clinic, oftentimes alone and scared um, in a crisis mode. And uh, Abby just appreciated being able to help them. It wasn't until probably about eight years later where Abby just really uh, was an overachiever, became the youngest director ever in that region for Planned Parenthood. She was their employee of the year, but in that eighth year, they were short-staffed in the actual procedure room, and they asked Abby if she could help out. Well, she had never done that before, but she very quickly volunteered, went into the procedure room, and like our movie poster says, she was just watching the ultrasound monitor, and what she saw, which was a baby uh, fighting for their life, ultimately to lose the battle. And that moment uh, changed Abby forever. And that is what the story is about. The movie's about uh, Abby's journey uh, to that moment and then what happened afterwards. One of the remarkable things about Miss Johnson, about Abby, is that she says that she actually oversaw something like 22,000 abortions at the clinic. And she's also had two of her own. You know, and that's uh, part of what makes Abby's story so amazing and I think so relatable for a lot of people who are, are watching this movie. Um, I think there's a lot of entry points for people and there's a you know a community out there of uh, post-abortive uh, women and men who have never really dealt with the abortion they've been involved with. And as we understand now, the, the psychological effects that that has on both men and women, it just never leaves people. And it can lead to a lot of other issues in life. Uh, so what we're finding is, because of Abby being willing to very transparently share her story and her having her two abortions, it's really opening the doors for other people to begin to share their story and hopefully uh, begin the healing process. The movie had a lot of problems getting up off the ground. I seem to recall reading about everything from uh, people walking off the set to uh, outright sabotage sometimes. But you all persisted. Yeah, you know, we knew the uh, the importance 
of the story. And we look, we knew that uh, ultimately uh, we, we felt like we were on a daily basis being obedient to what God wanted us to be doing. So as different uh, opposition came our way, and it, it did begin when we were even trying to find certain locations. People didn't like the subject matter, so we weren't able to maybe uh, go where we wanted to go. Um, most, probably the most progressive opposition that we saw was really in the in the marketing campaign. You know, a lot of the usual places where we're able to make people aware of the movie, such as uh, TV channels, um, radio stations, they just flat out uh, turned us down and turned down, you know, our, our ad dollars that we were willing to spend. So it really impacted the ability for us to get the word out that this movie is coming out. In fact, I think uh, cable networks refused to run it, like USA, Lifetime, HGTV, the Travel Channel, the Cooking Channel, the Food Channel, and even Hallmark. And I think in terms of the networks, only Fox News was willing to uh, take your ads. You're exactly right. And the, the biggest hurdle and the biggest problem with that is, you know, with our size movies, you know, we don't have the, the budget that Hollywood has. You know, the final you know, couple weeks before our movies get released, you know, our studies just verify that we need that final validation when people see those commercials on TVs and, you know, our normal uh, consumer, that is their viewing habit. And even though they might hear about the movie loosely on social media, that is what reminds them to go out to the theater on the exact date that it comes out. And we, we just weren't able to have that. So um, it, it was a, a problem for us. However, it seems that uh, the audiences have responded very well to it, much to the surprise, I think, of many uh, people, uh, especially the pro-abortion groups. Uh, I think it's movie, uh, mo- box office mojo, pardon me. You guys are rated the fourth place in the week, just behind things like Dumbo, Us, and Captain Marvel. Obviously, you have hit a, re- uh, a very responsive note with the audience. You know, it was uh, just you know, just truly amazing to see how God works and how, you know, He can spread the word better than uh, what we can. And yes, our opening weekend, we were fourth in the country, and it really just helps, hopefully, uh, this country understand that there is a passion for life. And uh, that, you know, I think those tickets that were bought is just, you know, a vote for life is how we see it. One of the interesting things I saw was on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which, uh, as you know, is a it rates various movies, and it showed that... Uh, were unplanned, the audience reception was 93% favorable. The critics, however, 50% unfavorable. Yeah, and, uh, and ironically, uh, uh, the critics, uh, we, we took some pride in, you know, 50% actually uh, appreciated the story. Uh, I, I think we uh, were confident that it would never be uh, 100%, but we did take some uh, encouragement that, you know, half of the critics actually appreciated the story. And the audience... Uh, they were kind to really appreciate not just the, the story itself, but how the story was told and then and the quality that they saw uh, when they watched the movie. One of the things I saw that uh, struck me as uh, deliciously ironic, if you will, Unplanned was hit with an R rating at the last minute by the MPAA, I believe it was. And yeah. this means that no one under the age of 17 could go see it without a, a parent or guardian. Interestingly enough, the <laughs> pro-abortion people say they can have an abortion without any parental consent, but they can't watch the movie without it. <laughs> but I saw you being quoted once as saying that you actually supported the R rating because, indeed, it does portray violence and this is the one of the keys that abortion is violent well you're 
Exactly right. I mean, you know, my team, the other producers and directors, obviously a PG-13 opens up uh, typically a broader audience to come see the movie. But as I've seen and worked on the movie, and being a, a believer and understanding that life begins at conception, when I watch those scenes on the big screen of a, of a child, an innocent child fighting for their life and ultimately losing that battle, and the way that it's, you know, it's the very real way that it's portrayed on the screen, I mean, that is an R-rated scene. And so that's why I, you know, you know, not trying to say that I support the R rating, but I do believe that those scenes are R rated. The ironic part for me was the MPAA who does the ratings. It's, it's a, a, a panel of 10 folks in Hollywood who watch the movie, and at the end they discuss it and decide what uh, rating it deserves. And the fact that they saw those violent scenes against that little baby as violence against a human and that's why they gave it an R rating, was almost encouraging to me that we, we in, in a way, got to that panel that they also agreed that it was violence against a human being. It's interesting to me some of the uh, some of the criticisms that have come out about the uh, about the film. One uh, criticism is that it, it uh, I be- believe, was that uh, you made up things in that, and yet this is a true story. This is a true story of Abby Johnson. Nothing in there is fictitious about uh, that that appeared in the movie. You know, I think uh, whenever a product has a success, especially an entertainment product, obviously uh, there's going to be folks coming out trying to uh, disprove it. And especially with Abby's story, there's uh, good reasons why some people out in this country would try to disprove it. But the reality of it is Abby wrote a book been out uh, eight, nine years now, and we hover really close to the whole storyline of the book. And, uh, you know, ironically, not many people challenged uh, what was said in the book. And the book came out after Abby was taken to court by Planned Parenthood, and she won the case in almost a record period of time. It was less than an hour she won the case. So we just, you know, stuck to the, to the facts, and, you know, Abby was not the only contributor to help verify uh, how the scenes were portrayed. You know, one of the, the first abortion scene that the audience sees, Dr. Leventino, who is just world known for being out, he's an OBGYN, former uh, abortionist, very outspoken today about life. He was in those scenes. So he was very, it was meant a lot to him to make sure that we recreate those scenes in a very real way. So it's just hard to argue with the facts. That was another thing that really struck me about the movie that you brought out is that so many of the people now in the pro-life movement actually started out in pro-abortion and somehow had an epiphany. Yeah, you know, I think that's biblical, right? I mean, I think people who are at that this true level of, of brokenness in their spirit because of what they've been involved in, been complicit in, been participating in, they just, at that transformational moment where God just kind of opens up their eyes, they just become on fire to prevent that from happening. And Abby is a perfect, great example of that, and, and so many others who have been involved in this space. Something else, uh, I've followed a number of uh, Christian movies over the years, and a lot of them really have been very, very successful in terms of the financial return. 
the major net, the major filmmakers on the whole tend to reject that concept. Uh, but I mean, I look at things like the Passion of the Christ, uh, God's Not Dead, a whole series of these things that I've seen that actually have been very, very successful. This tells me that there is a huge audience out here that is being overlooked, and I wonder how long the people in Hollywood can afford to overlook potential financial goal. You know, uh, money is their goal. So when they see, you know, teams like ours make a movie and, you know, like you said, do it in a successful way, oftentimes what Hollywood studios try to do is they, they look at the success and they, they don't understand our audience. They truly don't understand the heart of the messages of the, the movies that you just mentioned. So they go out and try to grab a story that they believe is a faith story and, and tell their own version of it. So when you think of you know the movie uh, 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 Noah that came out a while ago, they didn't get the heart of that story, and uh, so when they try it themselves, they don't have the same level of success. So then they they punt and move on to their traditional audience. They just don't get the heart of our stories and why they grab people. And yet the uh, they're out there. I mean, I, I just recently saw Risen. Uh, I believe sure. Joseph Fiennes was the uh, was the lead actor in that one, and he's he's an A lister, and that to me that movie was incredible. I mean, just it it really reached down and grabbed me. This uh, I, I spoke to the producer of that. He called it uh, CSI Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was a, an incredible movie. And yet it was uh, another one of these films that had remarkable financial success for the investors. Yeah, and that movie, uh, it was picked up by uh, Sony's division, Affirm, which is uh, kind of their faith-based division. So there, we are starting to see the, the attempts to uh, to uh, allow more movies to be told in our space. You know, the uh, the Irwin brothers uh, were picked up by uh, Lionsgate uh, about a year ago after the success of I Can Only Imagine. So, you know, we are starting to see it, but the uh, the, the problem is they... they Hollywood looked at it from a pure money standpoint and not the why. They don't understand the heart of the stories as much as we do. But it also seems that you understand the financial aspect more than they do. <laughs> well, my, uh, I have a financial background, and what, what we understand is in order for us to continue to tell these stories, we have to have a sustainable financial model also. The impact is first. It's great. It's uh, why we do it, but if we want to keep doing it, and it's very biblical to be uh, you know, a good steward of the, uh, the resources that God gives us. So we're trying to do both. We're trying to have impact, and we're trying to put ourselves in a position where we can continue to tell these stories. You know, I look at your background, I've read your bio, and you just explained a little bit of it. You had a very difficult uh, upbringing, difficult childhood. What brought you to God? <laughs> uh, uh Great question. So when I was seven and uh, living on the, the streets of Philly with my two older sisters and my mom, uh, that is when uh, a gentleman noticed us and uh, got permission from our mom to take us to the orphanage. The orphanage, unfortunately, at that moment, in Philadelphia, but they had two different campuses almost an uh, hour and a half away. Neither one had room for all three of us kids. So I was dropped off at a boys' dorm in one orphanage. My sisters were taken to a different one. And I was kind of a quiet kid, kept to myself. And when you are that quiet kid in a boys' dorm full of 10 or 13 boys, 
you know, I felt like you don't probably get a whole lot of the attention because you don't require it as much. We went to uh, just uh, a church on the orphanage campus, and I was at a uh, at a chapel on a Sunday evening, and I vividly remember the chaplain talking about God the Father, and uh, like in Deuteronomy, where he says, He will never leave us nor forsake us. And I went home to my dorm parents that night and said, I, I want that father who will never leave me. So that was the, the moment I was either seven or eight years old. And, uh, you know, I have always felt the, the understanding and the presence that I have a father who will never leave me nor forsake me. And, you know, part of the, uh, the beautiful side of uh, being an orphan, there's that just innocent understanding that the God that I saw was always on my shoulder. He was always with me. And I always, you know, kind of jokingly say that my poor kids, I have three kids, they see a human father in me and I'm not perfect. And they could be the first to tell you that. Uh, But me as a child, I just knew and saw God protecting me in so many ways. And as it said, uh, come to him as a little child. (laughs) Yeah, you're exactly right. And it seems that you did, and you are making use of the gifts that God has given you to help spread the gospel message. Well, you know, I think God has taught me through life circumstances that we are just to be obedient to Him on a daily basis. You know, let Him worry about the results, and all we can do is use the gifts that He has given to us at the doors that He opens on a daily basis. You know, as simple as the Israelites were were told back in their day, life's uh, journey is one day at a time. And if we keep it that simple and just try to obey Him on a daily basis, then He can do whatever He wants with us. What's next for Joe Knopp? Is there another movie, another project on the horizon? You know, uh, it's great that you asked that at this time. We always have this uh, desire to try to figure out our next one um, uh, months before we release one, but we always get so uh, busy and distracted with the current one. So truthfully told, um, we have not selected our next story, and uh, you know this has opened up the doors to uh, some additional stories. So realistically, in the next month or so, I think we'll be able to uh, choose one and get going on the next one. So even though we don't know which one it is, there will be another. There will be another story. You know, I think uh, we we are continuing to see that the impact that these stories can have. Uh, And, you know, when you read the Bible, there's a a lot of stories there that impact people, so we're just trying to be a a modern version of that. Joe Knopp, the producer of Unplanned, the story of Abby Johnson, a remarkable film. You can get the uh, teaser on Netflix, and believe me, that trailer is just incredible. So, I want to thank you so much for being on this program, and again, thank you for the work that you've been doing Well, thanks for all that you do. That really uh, helps us to continue to tell these stories. So thank you, sir. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. 
To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.